Where do you go when things seem to be at an impasse? Well, here's Pastor Xavier Reese. God comforted Abraham regarding the words of Sarah. Listen to him. But God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight. Two little words, trace them through the Bible. When there seems to be no hope, when there seems to be total despair, no way out. Hear the words, but God. <laughs> but Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. If there's one thing we can learn by reading the Scriptures, it's that God does not need any help in being God. Well, today, as Pastor Xavier continues his trek through the book of Genesis, we come to a time when man tried to give God a hand in fulfilling a promise and the consequences that followed. Let's join him for today's study. Genesis 21, we're going to look at verse 1 through 21, the message entitled, The Son of Promise, Isaac. Abraham and Sarah brought upon themselves great difficulties through their attempt to figure out how God was going to fulfill the promise of giving them a son. So 14 years earlier, Sarai, that her name then, has suggested to Abram that perhaps God would accomplish it through her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar. And then she would raise that child on her own, as you know. What they accomplished instead was to add her to themselves, bringing jealousy, envy, and a divided home. After 13 years of silence, God appeared to Abram and told him to walk before him blameless. And then he confirmed the covenant and enlarged it. Then God gave Abraham the seal of the covenant, the rite of circumcision, and changed both Sarai's name to Sarah and Abram, exalted father to Abraham, father of a multitude. He also told Abraham and Sarah, once he changed their names, that he would, in fact, allow Sarah to bear a son by Abraham the following year in chapter 17, verse 21. The narrative tells us that the child grew and was weaned. Children were weaned usually between three to five years of age. A little different than ours today. They didn't have all the bottles, everything else. They hung out a little longer. The occasion prompted Abraham to have a great feast on that same day that Isaac was weaned. And Ishmael, in verse 9, the son of the flesh, behaved disrespectfully towards Isaac. The offensive behavior was observed by Sarah, the mother hen. The unkind conduct of Ishmael resulted in consternation by Sarah in verse 10 and 11. In verse 10, Sarah became incensed as she perceived the situation. Therefore, she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son. It's like a mother that's in the playground at the park and, and she sees her son out there on the swings and, and she sees a, a bigger kid, a bully, approaching her little son and pushing him off the swing. You know what happens. They raise up. This is what's going on here. The reason was biblical. Listen. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac, there could be no permanent abiding of the two. There had to be a separation. Now, 
Abraham became grieved in verse 11, and rightly so. Abraham was being torn in two, and the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight. Ishmael was his biological son. You have to get into his shoes. This is his son. So much was his love for Ishmael that he asked Yahweh to let him be the heir rather than Isaac. The firstborn of his flesh, his own flesh and blood. But God never recognized the firstborn of his flesh. God only recognized his only son, which he will ask him to sacrifice in chapter 22. Only one son. God does not look at our fleshly works. He doesn't acknowledge them because they only bring trouble to us. God takes no responsibility for our flesh. We must take our own responsibility for that. The uncomfortable situation between Sarah and Abraham brought about the intervention of God here in verse 12 and 13. God communicates with Abraham. He comforted Abraham regarding the words of Sarah. Listen to him. But God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight. Two little words, trace them through the Bible. When there seems to be no hope, when there seems to be total despair, no way out. Hear the words, but God. <laughs> but God. He comforted Abraham regarding his despair about Ishmael and Hagar because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Ishmael was about 17 to 18 years of age if Isaac was three to four here because Ishmael was circumcised at 13. Notice God commands Abraham to obey Sarah. Why? Listen, real simple. She was being scriptural. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. It was scriptural what she was asking, not anything she says when it contradicts scripture. This time Sarah is right on. Last time she was right off. What makes her right this time? Because she's aligned herself scripturally. When the wife or the husband suggests them scripturally, we should agree with each other. When it's unscriptural, we should be the first to get in each other's face. No. Real simple. She understood Isaac was the promised seed. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. So God confirms to Abraham in verse 13 the well-being of the future of Ishmael. God would be with Ishmael, yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman. God would do this simply because he is your seed. The blessing of Ishmael is in relationship to his connection with Abraham. Genesis 12, 3. Those that bless you, I will bless them. Those that curse you, I will curse them. That is still in effect today regarding Israel. It has never been lifted. Interesting. God will always protect his children if they will obey him and allow him to do so. Such as in the case of Haman and Mordecai. Remember the book of Esther. Seemed impossible. Hated this little Jew. Wouldn't bow down. Then he wanted to kill every Jew. But he ended up being hung on his own gallows. There are times when you don't even need to pray. You need to step in and do something. It's very obvious when you have to. But there are other times when we have to go to God and say, Lord, you know what? 
you protect me. I'm not even going to mess with this. And each of us have to go to God to find out which ones we're to step in, which one we're not. There's no automatic uh, procedure. <laughs> the unimaginable comfort of God for our lives cannot be un- understood by mere intellectual learning, but it's made effective by personal experience. The comfort of God regarding an adulterous mate. Oh, man. You talk about power. You are being the most Christ-like when something so personal, so intimate takes place and you choose to yield to the power of God and be like Christ. Man. What power God is working through you. Man. The comfort of God for a disabled child. Comfort of God for releasing that weight of bitterness, unforgiveness, power. The comfort of God during financial difficulties. The comfort of God for a wayward child. Paul put it this way, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds towards Christ. Because we are living this out, we can say to somebody, listen, God is sufficient for that. God can do that. If you come to the end of yourself, you trust him. It's not going to be easy. It'll cost you everything. This Bible works, ladies and gentlemen, but it only works for dead people. It will not work for people who are still living for themselves. Hmm. The foolishness of Ishmael towards Isaac was improper at the time. Notice the final scene in verse 14 through 21. The fondness of Abraham towards Ishmael made obedience difficult. Verse 14, the sending of Ishmael away was hard emotionally for Abraham. Put yourself in his his shoes. The dreadful mourning of Abraham in verse 14. He arose, it says. This probably was the longest night he ever experienced. You've been there? Not in your stomach? Tossing from one side to another? This father didn't sleep a wink that night. Abraham rose early in the morning without doubt at the break of day, at sunrise. The dreadful preparation by Abraham is given to us there, the life-sustaining provisions. And look, he took bread, skins of water, and he put them on her shoulder. Without doubt, with a very sad countenance. Very slow. He's not moving fast. Certainly with great silence, choosing his words very carefully. Perhaps his voice even quivering. The life-wrenching moment says he gave it in the boy to Hagar. There was nothing left to do now. There could be no more delay. The dreadful sending off of Abraham is then recorded. The separation of Abraham from Hagar and his son and sent 
her away. Oh, hard. Abraham must have stood still watching them get further and further and further. You've been there? Seen someone leave? Abraham, without doubt, waited till they were completely out of sight and even re- refused to turn away and squinted, trying to see if he can still see them. The disorientation of Hagar and Ishmael in the wilderness then follows. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. The word to wander means to err, to go astray. We're not given the reason why, but the heat is unbearable, getting to 110, 115 in that region. You can only imagine. The wandering in the desert was a physical trial for Hagar and Ishmael. Look at verse 15 and 16. The provisions were exhausted in verse 15. The unthinkable was upon them, and the water and the skins were used up. The heat of the sun, exhaustion, dehydration, had overtaken Ishmael. The potential death of Ishmael was unbearable for Hagar. This is his mother, verse 16. She watched from a distance like a mother would, far enough to see him, but not close enough to hear the agony. Then she went and sat down across him at a distance about a bow shot. In other words, shooting the arrow of the bow. Still watching. But can't listen. Does she not feel more pain? She became so distraught that she attempted to console herself. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. Again, 1718. Not a 78-year-old. So she ended up breaking down. This is this is real. This is life and its truest form. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept. And the word wept means to lament, to wept bitterly. Hmm. Ever been there? When you get bad news of a relative, close relative, your father, your mother, whatever. Hmm. The perplexing spiritual situation was relieved by God once again, though. Verse 17 through 19. In verse 17, the cry of Ishmael was heard. The promise of God was to Ishmael. Listen. And God heard the voice, listen, of the lad. The personal attention of Hagar is recorded. Then the angel of God called Hagar out of heaven. This once again has to be Jesus Christ, the angel of God, sometimes called the angel of the Lord. The proclamation to Hagar was and said to her three things. Listen, it was threefold. The inquiry, what ails you, Hagar? The encouragement, fear not. The goodness of God, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Once again, the lad. The promise to Hagar about Ishmael was no different than it had been the first time she had run away. Those 14 years passed. Verse 18, he was not dead. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him with your hand. He was destined to be great. 
for I will make him a great nation. And the provisions of God for Hagar and Ishmael once again is recorded for us in verse 19, as in years past. The divine provision, God then opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. The human obedience, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad to drink. Once again, here's God. An impossible situation. No hope. And so the separated life of Ishmael prospered by God. In verse 20 and 21. God was faithful to his promise, verse 20 tells us. God kept his word, so God was with the lad. Ishmael lived on, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness. Ishmael became a warrior, an archer. God had already promised Hagar this, at least in general form in chapter 16, verse 10. He would make 12 princes of him. He would become a great nation. And so God multiplied Ishmael in verse 22. The home of Ishmael, he dwelt in the wilderness of Param, the north part of the Sinai Peninsula and the area south of the Dead Sea. The marriage of Ishmael is given to us and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt, the world and type because the flesh is of the world. The world marries the world. The world can live with the world, but the child of God cannot. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Hmm. Our Lord Jesus demonstrated the difficulty of obedience, but the possibility of it also. In Matthew 26, 42, when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed to the Father, and he says, not my will, but your will be done. And Luke tells us, as it were, he sweat drops of blood in agony. And he submitted himself to the will of the Father. There will be very difficult tasks in our lives as we are pilgrims and sojourners in this life. Some of us will have to separate ourselves from people and at times Christian friends due to their compromise with sin and carnality. That is hard. But you have to do it. Others of us will have to send away our sons or daughters from our homes due to the rebellious lifestyle and sinful choices in life. Still others of us will have to be separated from a husband or wife due to their unrepentant heart and continuous sinful lifestyle. Difficult. Hard. Jesus said, he who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Matthew 10, 37, 38. Nothing, nothing is to come before God in my life. No one. He is preeminent. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with, with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part 
has a believer with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be a son and a daughter, says the Lord God Almighty. 1 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. We are not to be isolated from the world or to be insulated. We touch non-believers' lives, our neighbors, the people we work with, friends, loved ones, but we do not make a practice of building relationships that are going to suck us back into the world where they're going to contaminate us. There's enough darkness left in you and I and sin nature that if you get around it long enough and, and, and are always there pushing it, you can get sucked back in. So there's wisdom and obedience. Whenever we remove God out of the equation of life, as I have stated earlier, on whatever spiritual desert we might find ourselves in, we remove all hope being lost in our sin, be it living a carnal life, be it having entangled ourselves once again with the things of the world that God has liberated us from at one time, be it that we have made a mess of things and we cannot see any way out of it. We must look to God. Ephesians 3. 20 says, now to him who is able to exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. The minute I turn to God, he will work on my behalf. To strengthen me, to enable me. That's the type of God we serve. Each of us as Christians are to experience and enjoy the richness of God's faithfulness and observe how much our lives will prosper. Obeying his word and his will. Seeking him for knowledge and wisdom. Trusting him for things that at times seem to be beyond our understanding. Being able to commit ourselves to him regardless of the cost. Paul put it this way. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1.21 for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. 2 Timothy 1.12. This was Paul's last will and testament. He said this under the shadow of being decapitated. The fondness of Abraham towards Ishmael made obedience difficult due to the length of time. We must not procrastinate. The longer we wait, the more the flesh puts its hook into us. And so the preeminent place of Isaac over Ishmael has been revealed through these three scenes. The fulfillment of God's promise of Isaac to Abraham and Sarah was right on time. God will be right on time for every situation of your life and mine. The foolishness of Ishmael towards Isaac was improper due to the time. May we not be like Ishmael and mock God. The fondness of Abraham towards Ishmael made obedience difficult 
due to the length of time. Break free of those things that drag you down. Don't say just one more day. Let it go. The son of promise, Isaac, he's the one. Not Ishmael. Pastor Xavier Reese on the importance of swift and complete obedience to God and His Word. Now you can pick up a copy of today's Bible study, The Son of Promise, Isaac. It's available on CD for only $4. Now this also includes what Pastor Xavier talked about the last time we were together. So the title to ask for once again is The Son of Promise, Isaac. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you include the call letters of this station when you do contact us. What's the secret to spiritual growth? That's our topic on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Tell a friend and join us then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 